The following is a presentation of the Chicago Bears Network and ChicagoBears.com. Download the Chicago Bears official mobile app for up-to-the-minute Bears content every day. And now, welcome to Bears All Access, your all-access pass into Chicago Bears football. Bears All Access is brought to you by IGS Energy and sponsored by Athletico Physical Therapy and Art Van Furniture and Mattress. Welcome into PNC Studios at Hallis Hall, another edition of Bears All Access. I'm Jeff Joniak, along with broadcast partner Tom Thayer from News Radio 780, 105.9 FM, WBBM. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Big Jeff. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Chiefs coming into town, rolling in for a Sunday night matchup. Glad they kept the start time uh, at 7.20. Me too. Me too. Uh, the reasons are uh, obvious. There's a lot of good reasons. Uh, one is that these guys got to stay dialed in. This is... Uh, not going to be a playoff year, obviously, in 2019, but for each and every one of those guys that are going to play on Sunday night, they, uh, it's about pride in themselves and, and pride for the football team and where they're headed down well, the road. You know, it's still about the Super Bowl, and that's the one thing about this year. I know there's been some difficulties, but I don't ever want to lose the, that phrase out of the conversation of improvement because if you have any other goal other than winning your division, getting into the playoffs, winning the Super Bowl, we're all kind of wasting our time here. So I think it is about the Bears getting better these next two games. It's about the continuous improvement of Mitchell Trubisky, finding a little bit more details out about guys like Anthony Miller, Jesper Horstead, you know, just, just to name a, a few, Cal, Kevin Tolliver and stuff. So I, you know, I know it's a different season, but I don't think you ever lose your focus and ultimately what your goal is to accomplish. We're brought to you by IGS Energy. Good to have you alongside. Cordero Patterson will be our guest tonight here in studio, so we'll be looking forward to, to, to talk, talk, talk to him. him. Yeah. Been waiting all season long. He's a very interesting guy, a uh, terrific, high-character individual who loves the game of football, and you can see it each and every time he takes the field. So we'll get into him, but right now let's let's take a look at what the Bears are going to be facing in Patrick Mahomes, the, the inevitable comparison. You heard it all this week about the comparisons of, of he and Mitchell Trubisky, Matt Nagy, and Andy Reid. We're going to hear about Dave Tobe. We're going to hear about Chris Tabor. You're going to hear a lot, but that Chiefs team is a, a powerful team. It's a fast team, speediest offense I've seen on tape all season long and maybe in a long time. I, I go back to watching when the Tampa defense, or even the Bears defense at times during the love year, was loaded with speed at different areas of the field. But they, they've got it all over the field, offense and defense. Yep. Well, I know. So what do you do? I mean, you, you don't let them have the luxury of time. You try to take that away from them. You try to put pressure in the face of Patrick Mahomes as quickly as you can. You try to address the situation at the, off at the line of scrimmage. I'm talking about receivers and running backs and stuff as, as immediately as you can. So it's not like you're going to play passive football. You got really nothing to play for, so you can be as aggressive as you want. And nothing scares a team more that's getting ready for the playoffs is having a home opponent with a hostile crowd and then as aggressive as you have the, the possibilities of being. Like all quarterbacks, they uh, do uh, dissolve a little bit under pressure. He, Patrick Mahomes, his percentage, completion percentage, is drastically different under pressure, but he still makes big plays under pressure because he's got that gunslinger mentality. Uh, where do you see him being attackable by the Bears' defense? You know, I, I think he, it's, they're kind of fortunate to play back-to-back -back games against Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes because I think a lot of the philosophical thinking of how you attack great quarterbacks 
starts with the way you attack Aaron Rodgers and can filter to Patrick Mahomes. So I think the direction that you want to put pressure on him, which way do you want to force him to be the most vulnerable when he's trying to escape pressure and trying to advance the ball forward? I, don't, I think that you have a contained rush that you try to keep him inside a, a small area to work with, even though he's got the arm talent that is – is as good as anybody out there. I, I do think that you can, um, when you you know get him on an outdoor natural grass field, cold, see the way his receivers are running. If if it's uh, if the atmosphere is, you know, blustery and stuff. So I think he didn't care take, about that. We saw well, that. No, but you, you see that take, NFL films. Yeah, but he you have says, to take everything into account yeah. when you're thinking about how you're attacking him. That's supposed to be 48 degrees too. You know, you would like a little snowstorm or something like that. Holiday well, I mean, up. look at the evidence that they have last week. They're playing in a snowstorm against the Denver Broncos, and that's like the Denver Broncos aren't there, and it's only the Kansas City Chiefs having fun. Yeah, well, he has 14 passes of 40 yards or more, nine for touchdowns. That's number one in the league, and that's certainly what his M.O. is, no question yeah. about it. But he's got all this speed, obviously. This is a track team a little bit, but then you got that tight end, Travis Kelsey, and we keep talking about the oh. tight end position all year long, and you see what Zach Ertz does in Philadelphia and what – Kelsey does for this system with Andy Reid, and you know that's what Matt Nagy wants for the Bears eventually. Yeah, you know what, and I, I know when you talk about the two tight ends from Philly and from Kansas City, you're talking about guys that have been around for a long period of time and who have put up some great numbers. You know, I'm really interested in watching the career development of Jesper Horstead because when you look at his ability to catch the ball, I think he has the, the hands that are good enough to qualify him to be a contender in the tight end position. As he gets bigger and stronger, he develops into a better blocker. I think that's going to provide more opportunities for him to catch the ball. So the position they've been searching for the most, I do think there's a guy there that they really have an opportunity to develop. So I don't think it's a panic situation about the tight end position. I think it's about the development of J.P. Holtz and Jesper Horstead. Defensively, Chris Jones, outstanding defensive line. Got to block him. He he's can, a bad he, dude. He can, he can wreck a game. Yeah, he's so quick in the middle that he can put pressure on a quarterback into a run, in a backfield on a running play. So with such immediacy that he allows the other guys to, you know, kind of tackle around him. But his, um, his snap count efficiency, his innate ability to stay on sides with, and then come off the ball with explosiveness. And the honey badger. He's, uh, he's playing well. Tyron Matthew playing very well for them in that secondary. So you're going to wait and see what you're going to uh, try and exploit, well, obviously, you, against these Chiefs. Well, that, that's why I think. The defense is better. It's going to be interesting because I think as much as you talk, look at a comparative uh, comparison between Mitch and Mahomes, how does each head coach, how does each play caller call the game? Because I think that's what you're going to see. They're going to come back and say, oh, did you see what Andy Reid did on third down when his back was up against the goal line? Oh, did you see what he did in the red zone at this particular point? So I think there's going to be a lot of comparisons there of of the overall efficiency and the style of attack by the offense. Looks like Akeem's going to play. Good. Good. I, I mean, I just want him to be healthy. Akeem Hicks, he's, he's another guy that we sit up here and we talk about the defensive tackle for Kansas City Chiefs and Chris Jones and how good he is. You look at the offensive linemen, they're back there talking about how powerful Akeem Hicks is and what he can add to the interior of the Bears defensive line that helps expose opportunities to Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd. All right, we need to take a break. Our first here on Bears All Access with our engineer Paul Zarang and our clapping producer Dan Barilli with a live studio audience. Bears sweet holders. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And welcome back to Bears All Access here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We're at PNC Studios here at Hallisaw. Jeff and Tom brought to you by IGS Energy. 
A proud partner of the Chicago Bears, providing electricity, natural gas, and home warranty products to over 1 million customers across the country. Learn more about IGS Energy at IGS.com. Say hello to the Pro Bowler. An all-decade member of the USA Today team. How about a big, loud welcome and a big hand for Cordero Patterson, everybody. How about that stuff, man? All, yeah, the Pro Bowl is nice. This will be your third, but all-decade. All decade with Khalil Mack. That's crazy, right? Yeah, but you know what? <laughs> Certainly deserving. You've been the best. You've been the best in the return game, man, and you've expanded your game over over years to become, you know, this season arguably the best gunner in the National Football League. It's been a pleasure to watch you on special teams and then the stuff you do on offense as well. So congratulations for that. I mean, this is a town that had Devin Hester. Oh, hey, he's a Hall of Famer. He better be a Hall of, of course, Famer. Of course, But, you know, to be an all-decade performer in any era is a significant accomplishment. What do you think of it? Man, I really haven't. I just seen it an hour ago when uh, the Bears posted it. You know, it, it still haven't hit me yet, man, because, you know, you got greats like Devin Hester and Gail Sayers, all those guys who changed the game, you know, who paved the way for me. So growing up as a kid, you know, looking up to those guys, you know, now I get to play in the same field they played on this. It's kind of just outstanding, man. You know, I remember I, I really wanted to interview you ever since you returned the kickoff against the Bears for the touchdown. And, you know, that it was such a big play that came back to haunt the Bears all throughout the offseason. But, you know, that's, that's where your talent lies. You know, you're one of the most threatening kick returners in the history of the NFL. So now I, I don't know if I agree with the way kickoff returners are now because I, I enjoy that you, you return it all the time. That's what, that's what I want to see. So when the ball is kicked off, do you follow the flight of the ball the entire way, or do you have a chance to peek at the coverage and then refocus on the football? Uh, I'm not really worrying about the coverage and stuff because I trust those 10 guys that's out there blocking for me. And, you know, and Taves, he gave me the green light each and every time the ball is kicked. He say, if you can get to the ball, we're going to return it no matter no matter where it's at, if it's kicked nine deep or whatever. And he always say when we're playing at home is they got to kick it in the, in the river for us not to return the ball. So. We're going to always return the ball. Thank goodness, because what the, what the league has done with the rules of the game, you know, I'm an old-fashioned guy. I love the way the game was born and how it was meant to be played, and it includes kickoffs. It right. includes, you know, onside kicks. It includes all of that, uh, everything that you're good at. Uh, I, I, were you worried at any point in your career when things started changing with the kickoffs? They, they basically saying it's a precaution reason, you know, and trying to minimize concussions and stuff like that, but – you know, some guys, they only play special teams, and, you know, that's, that's our only job. And, you know, some people, we just go out there and give it our heart. You know, you're trying to take the fun out of the game for some of us guys. So every chance we get out to get out there, we just try to make a play. Every, every game I've ever played in in the NFL, I was on kickoff return from the first game to my last game. And you think how specifically choreographed the blocking scheme is, is on the kickoff return. Um, the one against the Chicago Bears that you returned, it seemed like they had a crease set open and you were gone. There, I mean, it was, it was evident. So when you, you got to read your first blockers to your second level to your third level, is when you talk about an offensive running play, there's a line of scrimmage and everything beyond it. When you talk about a kickoff return, you're reading blocks for almost 35 yards. Is that something that you, you just do on the move, or because of the way the returns are choreographed, you know kind of how to pre-predict what's going to happen in front of you? Well, it all starts at practice. You yeah. know, Coach Taze, he gives us every look that's possible with with that coordinated and did over every year. So he, we was out there for 20 minutes just going over kickoff returns. So he, he give us a good 
good insight on, you know, what to expect from those guys. So, and it's all about your instinct, man. You just gotta, you know, you just gotta go out there and just be ready. You know, some guys, they don't trust in their blocks, you know, and I trust in these guys 100%. So every time the ball is kicked, we're gonna bring it out. So after the flyer play that you didn't get the fumble, that was an obvious fumble, I saw you right after halftime, you walked out of the locker room and you walked right up to an official. Were you still talking to the official about that play? Of course, man. I, I went, <laughs> first thing I did, I got a locker room, man. I, I went straight to my cell phone. You know, my girlfriend, she sent me a video of it, and I just watched it like 30 times. Like, no no lie. I watched it like 30 times, just watching and watching and watching it. And I started showing Coach Taze and everything. And it was like, that was a good play. So what, what did you address to the official at that time? Just how you knew that he was wrong, or did you kind of explain the – a to B to C type of play there. Oh, no, I would never tell the official he wrong, even though when they wrong, right. you can't tell him that. So I just went up to him. I was like, hey, what what was going on in that play? He was like, you got there too early. And I was like, no, I didn't. I just I just watched the film over and over and over and over and over. And I got there as soon as he caught the ball and I made a play. If you brought him a donut, you think he would have overturned it? <laughs> Honestly, man, this week I think I'm going to bring my four dozen of donuts. <laughs> All right, so uh, on kickoff return, the following the flight of ball. So now on a punt team, do you ever get a chance to track the football, or is it all you're following the, the kick returner and how he's reacting? Oh, you definitely got to watch the ball, but yeah. you can't look at it too too long because, you know, it's, you got those great returners out there. They they trick in with and the things they do. So I just try to get a good feel for where the ball was. Patio was kicking it and just try to look at return and see if he's going to catch it or not. Cordell Patterson, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This is Bears All Access from PNC Studios at Hallis Hall, brought to you by IGS Energy. I want to say what I have to say about that play. So <laughs> when, when, when it happened, I lost my mind. I really did. I, I could not believe that that was a reversal. Uh, or they wouldn't say that uh, it's Bears football because that's the underrated aspect of this that no one's – it was a possession change into the Bears' hands with great field position, and then you got a penalty and a 35-yard line start for the greatest quarterback arguably in the game. That's tough duty for your defense. Talk about sudden change. That's, that is like a turnover by the offense. That's, that's essentially what it was. But what was the explanation they gave you? That's the part I'm looking for. <laughs> Beyond – saying that but you say you know oh you're you didn't give him room but you reacted and he never put his hand in the air that's that's a veteran in Tremont Williams yeah they it's kind of no answer they can give you yeah. know they, I feel like once they make a call they're gonna stick to it because you know they're just like any human being they whatever they say goes they don't want to be wrong so whatever they call it stays yeah all right Tom talked about instincts you talked about instincts in the return game but your old coach George Stewart with the Minnesota Vikings said the man was blessed with great vision. And when I used to interview Devin Hester, that's right. Don't we love Devin Hester, everybody? Um, he always used to tell me, because you know, you're trying to dig into the mind of a great player, and he always told me he, he just looked for color, the opposite team's color. And that's what his vision was. It wasn't necessarily lanes and green grass. It was color. And so you see color, <laughs> you run the other way. He made it that simple. Is it that simple when you got a head of steam as an explosive a player as you are? I mean, Devin Huster, anything's simple for him, man, because the great things he did. You know, if he's seen other clubs, he go the other way. And I'm a guy, I just look at the end zone. When I see the end zone, I just try to get to the end zone every time I get the ball in my hands, no matter what. One of the best plays of the season, one of the most exciting plays. And I don't know if I ran into you in the locker room that week or whatever. 
uh, was when you uh, sprinted to the ball on the punt, and it became an exciting play. You chasing the ball so it wouldn't go in the end zone. What game was that again? When you downed that punt inside Detroit, the, the first Detroit the first game? Detroit game. Oh. That was one of the most exciting plays of the season. I literally was, was out of my mind. Is he going to get there? And he got there and touched the ball down. That's fun stuff. When you talk about exciting plays, people just want to dismiss special teams as a necessity. Uh, like our guy Doug Coletti always says, it's the most important down in football is fourth down. That was a great play. An underrated, ridiculous play, you chasing a football to down it. But because you're so fast and so explosive, that became an exciting play. People were out of their seats with that one. Do you even have that kind of excitement for that play? Oh, man, that play was amazing, man. Patio, he's he's been doing a heck of a job. Pat O'Donnell, everybody. Pat yes, O'Donnell. Sir. He's been doing a heck of a job all year giving us gunners, you know, opportunities to make plays each and every Sunday, Thursday, Monday. So whenever he put the ball up, we just try to go out and get in. There's no way I couldn't get to that ball because it, it bounced it perfectly and it just landed where only I could have got the ball at the time. You know, it looked like you and Sherrick McManus had a really fun competitive flyer type of competition <laughs> after, and then Sherrick got hurt. Now you got Deion Bush out there. We had Sherrick on here a couple weeks ago, and he talked about the competitive fun that you guys could have specifically. He, he was, you know, he's a, he's a great special team player that's made a career at it at a high level. Do you have to kind of poke the guy who ever takes over for Sherrick McManus to try to get that enthusiasm out of him? Or Deion Bush stepping up to the plate, does he approach it with the same enthusiasm that you and Sherrick were doing? I mean, Deion, he already know what, what's at stake. So yeah. he knows Sherrick was the ace of our special team. So he, he's not trying to be better than him. He's not trying to be him. He's just trying to go in and just, just feel the role and just playing a part, you know, just not trying to be somebody you're not. Cordell Patterson, our guest. We're going to take a break here on Bears All Access. We're at PNC Studios at Hallis Hall with Tom Thayer. I'm Jeff Joniak. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670, The Score. Hey, Bears fans, get out of the cold and hit the beach in Cabo San Lucas, Mexico with your favorite Bears players, including Bilal Nichols and Roy Robertson-Harris. Inside the Bears hosts, Lawrence Greeden and Spice Adams at Apple Vacations this March. Visit applevacations.com slash bears for more info. Back at PNC Studios here at Hallisaw, Jeff and Tom with you. And pleased to be joined by our special guest this week, the Pro Bowler, third time uh, named to the Pro Bowl, Cordero Patterson, and what has been an outstanding year for him. Number two in average in kick return, but number one in yards. And I believe still you're the only player in the league to have three 100-plus yard return days. And, uh, you know, you start looking at those things. Hey, it's like running backs, you know. You only get so many opportunities, so that's, that's a pretty good number right there, too. Uh, I always ask the returners who happen to be the returner for the whole season, how many, it's like a guy who misses sacks, and they think about how many they missed and not the number they got. And sometimes those numbers can really, I should have had 25 sacks, you know. They, they have 10 or something. How many <laughs> kick return touchdowns do you think you left on the table this year? Or you, not your own doing, obviously, but you think that way? No, I don't think that way. No? Man. Okay. If you think that way, you're going to start stressing out. Yeah. You can't think like yeah. that. Have you ever been stressed out in your years playing the NFL? No. It's, it's Never. Fo it's football. It's a game. You know, you're one of the rare ones. <laughs> I mean, I'm just blessed to get this opportunity to play this game, so why would I be stressed playing this game? Do you know guys that are, and do you help them? There's a lot of guys that are stressed playing it. You just, just got to talk to them, man, because it's – it's my seventh year, and I feel like I'm still on my second year. So it go by so fast. You just got to take 
take advantage of it. You know, there's a lot of people looking up. You're, there's not a lot of people as talented as you are to, to do what you do, too. So I think there's a lot of people, you know, I was drafted in the fourth round, but every single day I came suspicious if I still had a job, you know, because you do, you have a little bit of insecurities. Hey, Cordero, you could sit him down on a couch right now and have a field day. You talk about a guy that's stressed. But you play with you play with other guys like Singleter Singletary or Walter and I stuff. I say that in a loving way. They don't, they don't have a great deal of stress because they know they are at they're perfect at their job. So it's different guys have different amounts. But do you of think stress. it's more because you were an offensive lineman? That's how offensive linemen think in general. Yeah. 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 I mean, because you know, if if you play seventy five offensive plays and you give up a sack and a tackle for a loss, the whole game's bad. No matter if you had 68 other pancake blocks, it's still a bad game. So stress is different. One thing about Pro Bowl, are, do you have, did you ever go to a Pro Bowl in Hawaii? And are you, would you rather go back to Hawaii or do you like it in Florida? I went my, my rookie year. It was in Hawaii. Right. I feel like they should take it back to Hawaii. Thank you. <laughs> and, and, and not just because of the great weather and it's a, an exotic vacation, but – Tom spends a big chunk of the year in Maui, but you, you feel because of their love of football on right. the islands and the types of players that have come from Hawaii, no, no, no more obvious than Olin Krutz, the great center we had here, that it's, it's important to that environment there, that culture. Right, that culture, that community, the fan base out there. It's, you know, high school football, college football is big out there, but I think it's more, you know... The attraction to the players, it was kind of like, wow, you're an all-star and you're going overseas to play in, a, in an all-star game with some, now that you have experience, you probably met most of the guys, but you know, when you're a young guy going there for the first time, it is like you're going to Fantasy Island to play football. And I know it's the Pro Bowl, but it's still quite a reward. Of course, man. I just like just being over there to get away from all my family. <laughs> you know, in Florida, they could just drive up six hours away. So in, in Hawaii, you just can't get in a car and drive there. So. <laughs> are, they, are they already bugging you about this one? Man, oh, my God. Really? They already said they already got their rooms and stuff. So. Well, see, that's a good thing. That, that's a lot of love right there for their guy. Yeah. No? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I get the sense it gets too expensive oh for Cordero God. Patterson. <laughs> Well, you're one away from an NFL record tying eighth touchdown in the return game, and that's something even Devin Hester didn't accomplish when you put it in those terms. And I, I know you and I, I wanted to sit you down, you know, after number seven, but you said, hey, you know, I'll do it now. But, you know, I, I'm glad you're talking. I'm glad you're sharing your story and, and because you, you appreciate greatness, and we're seeing it. We appreciate the guys who love the game and self-made players. And your journey to get here was not simple. It just wasn't, you know. Uh, it wasn't like you stayed four years at one college and were first-round pick. You had to work your way, get to Tennessee, get a, be a first-round pick. But this is, you know, your third team. And it's not like it's been just a straight line like some guys. And your story, though, is interesting. And I, I, I really appreciate the fact that you're putting in the time, the effort, because you love the game. And I heard you say that today, your love of the game is, is something that's significant. You just said it yourself. It doesn't feel like you've been around for seven years. You know, it is a kid's game, but it's a man's game, too. And where did that love begin for this game? Uh, I would say like six, six or seven. You know, I'm just growing up under my mama's wings, you know, she, the, the smile and the joy she had on her face, you know, just kicking us out the house, telling us go out and do things outside instead of being in the house. And, you know, I got introduced to football, and, you know, I, I didn't look back ever since because 
she was always there, you know, every game, every practice, just 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 doing what mothers do, you know, single mother, you know, raising three kids. So that's that's why I'm always happy enjoying this game, man. I never look back. You know, there, there was a guy, Rob Nikovic, who went to Joliet Junior College, then went on to play for the New England Patriots and have a lot of success. You went to a junior college. What changed in you as an athlete from your senior year in high school through two years of college, junior college? Because then you go to Tennessee for one year and you declare eligible for the draft. Uh, were you, were, uh, this is kind of a weird question, were you talented after high school that you, you knew that that's where you could grow into? And what did happen during those junior college years to turn you into the player you became? As, as I was little, as a little kid, I was always the fast guy, you know, the fastest guy on the field. And, you know, growing up in high school, you know, I didn't play my ninth and 10th grade year. I sat out those two years. I played my 11th and 12th grade year. You know, I, it's, it's a crazy story, man. <laughs> so, and after, after my 12th grade year, you know, I, I sat out another year because I was going, going to a junior college. But, you know, it, I wanted to go to a – a prep school that was closer to home, you know, so I, I tried to go to that and it was all bogus. So I sat out that year and then the following year, the, the junior college I was supposed to go to, he called me up and told me, you still got a place here, you know, so I went there and did my two years. And, you know, I was there, people were saying, man, you can go to the NFL and all this stuff, so. Did you think it was real? I didn't think it was real, man, because I, I never expected to be playing football that long. and know being that good you know and then you start got all these people telling you you got a chance you got a chance then you start believing it yourself so how do you get from a to b to develop that trust in the people that are telling you because they could have been just talking 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 and not really <laughs> giving you the reality but you know you tore you had 36 touchdowns in those two years at hutchinson broke records and tore it up so you clearly were on people's radar but did since you didn't think you were gonna be playing football that long where did where did the trust kick in was there an individual you really trusted and said okay I, I believe what he's telling me I mean I always just you know lean back on my mama because you know in during that period in junior college she she really taught me how to wash laundry and fold laundry because you know <laughs> I never did laundry on my own until I got to junior college and it was it was a nightmare, man, because, <laughs> you know, you can't put – I still do it now. I put colors with whites. Ah, uh, yeah, welcome to the club. I do it crazy, all the time. <laughs> <laughs> so I just leaned on my mama and my junior college coach, you know, and he always – one of the guys that always believed in me, always told me just trust in myself and you know, just never look back. You know, the, the, the crazy thing, we're going to go to a break here in a minute, but the, the, the power of women as it relates to football. I, I'm not kidding around here. The, the moms, the aunts – the grandmas. You know how many guys over the 23 years of me being a part of this organization and doing interviews, it's always, I mean, there, there's obviously dads too, but the moms, the grandmas, the aunts are reasons that you guys play the game. When you think about it, at the same time, there's moms out here now, and I get it, that are afraid for their kids to play because of head injuries and whatnot. But it's it sure is interesting to hear how powerful women are in your life and a lot of your guy, a lot of your teammates' lives, a lot of these NFL players' lives. Yeah, man, women so powerful. It's it's an understatement. You know the things they do behind closed doors. You know, and they do everything for us, man. Cook, clean. You know, laundry. 
Just do whatever you but need push to you do. to play. Well, of course. It yeah. did the same right. with Tom. My first two years of Pop Warner football, I cried every day on my way to practice because who wants to be an offensive lineman in the middle of August going to Pershing Field to practice football? Nobody. So I used to be crying every day on my way to practice. We'd get close to the practice field. My mom would push me out the car, and she'd say, you'll stop crying when you see your friends. And you put your helmet on, and by the time you walked up and got face-to-face with them, the tears would dry up, and you'd go to practice. But if it wasn't for her... Right. And just the relentlessness of finding me wherever I was hiding and dragging me to practice. <laughs> um, I, you know, you don't know if yeah, you can you, you ima- could, imagine the missed opportunity if you oh. didn't? Oh, my goodness. Two great athletes right here, Tom Thayer and Cordell Patterson. I'm not a great athlete, but I'm Jeff Joniak, and this is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. This segment of Bears All Access is brought to you by CDW, people who get it. Learn more at CDW.com. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, live audience here at PNC Studios. Sweet holders, sponsors, you name it, they're here. You guys fans. have done a nice job tonight. Give them a nice hand right here. Got a nice cross-section of Bears fans. So we uh, signed some autographs. Signed the hell. I feel guilty because I'm not an NFL player, but I do appreciate the invitation, everybody. Uh, did you practice your autograph over time? I used, to try, to, I used to try to write my whole name out. Forget about it. Yes. There's no time. No. So I just do CPAT now and just, just call it a day. Tom's very thorough, and I think we both agree that the best autograph we've ever seen was Gail, Gail Sayers. Sayers. He took his time, and I remember uh, it was Singletary's Hall of Fame induction I was at in Canton, and I had a little tiny football, and I, I went up to him, and he was kind enough to do it. And it just it, it took like five minutes to write Gail Sayers, yeah. but he took it nice, and but it's, it's a good. And then you got Erlacher. Brian just does B yeah. and a slash. You know, you do what you got to do, right? Because you're signing a lot of autographs. But Tom's very particular about that. Well, I just want, you know, I want people to be able to read them. I, you but know. Tom also but gave I'm me also- no room on the helmet to sign because he, he, really, he really likes his autograph, everybody, right? Yeah, right, right. He really likes that autograph. You, have you ever seen, I was watching highlights the other day of Gail Sayers and the, when he returned all the touchdowns on a money field at Wrigley Field. Have you ever seen just the highlights of that? Of Gail Sayers' returnability as oh, a Chicago Bear, of course, man. Yeah, that's something special to watch. It re- it really is, you know, because I just because I saw the highlights of it yesterday, it's so fresh in my memory. At 34 years old, inducted into the Hall of Fame, sh- shortest Youngest, career yep. of anybody. And when you you see you talk about vision and your vision as a returner, you see his vision on display as a kick returner and a punt returner. He had vision, but he also had the ability to anticipate his cut so aggressively that it put defenders defenders out of out of position and an off balance when they try to make a tackle. Yeah, I think he knew it. He knew where to go before anybody else knew where he was going. He had that type of ability, you know, to to set two or three guys up, make a miss and just get to the end zone. The Lambeau field, is that an asset to you or is it a slippery field to you? Because we heard a lot of conversation both ways about it being slippery in some instances, but if you know where you're going, maybe it's not as slippery. How did you feel it was? Uh, it, it wasn't too bad. It's just you got to put, like, some seven-stud cleats on, so you just got to change from being in your regular molded cleats. You wear molded cleats on a field? Every field. You do. Now, molded cleats are just rubber, rubberized bottoms. Seven-bottom seven, uh, studs are you screw them, actually screw them in and out of the shoe. Mm-hmm. Well, why do you sound surprised? <laughs> because I ne- in, in, a game, in a game, I never felt competent, confident wearing a rubber bottom shoe. I always wanted to have spikes that, that dug in the field. Um, 
And it was interesting because Walter Payton always wore those kangaroo kangos, they call kangaroo shoes, that he had the screw and spikes. But on the front of his shoe, he always wore the three-quarter inch spikes mm -hmm. to have better grip and more control, you know, and you see the evidence of it when he ran and hit somebody. But there's not a lot of guys that wear it because most of them are half-inch cleats, but Walter wore ones that were longer to have more grip on the field, and it's just not widely worn. Cordero Patterson, our guest here on Bears All Access, brought to you by IGS Energy. Uh, I know there is a backstory. I don't know if I have it all right, but I'll let you tell it. The name Cordero, where'd it come from? I, f I forgot. You forgot? <laughs> really? You're so full of it right now. <laughs> come on, man. No? Really? Is you, it too you funny? Should, you should never ask a I question know. that you don't know well, the answer to. I think to. I do. I don't know. Mom? Something like that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Her two favorite shows? <laughs> One Life to Live and Walker, Texas Ranger. Is this true? Yes, sir. So there you go. A couple of the characters. Cordero Roberts, a smooth-talking, tall, dark, and handsome cowboy. And the other was Cordell Walker, a ranger, former Marine, martial expert, and all-around tough guy, played by Chuck, Chuck Norris. Norris. Of course. <laughs> There's Cordero right there. <laughs> Do you think your teammates know that story? They don't. <laughs> what, how, so, you know... Going from team to team, and I look at a guy like J.P. Holtz. He gets dropped in, parachuted into a season, and, you know, when he was here in the early days, he's sitting in his locker like this. And I, I, I realized for a minute there, like, man, that's hard. Like, you don't know anybody. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you're dropped into a bunch of guys that – it's like going to a new school and you don't know anybody at school. Did it ever feel that way for you even though you were a free agent and you had the whole offseason to spend with these guys? Uh, kind of. I think it's like that everywhere you go, man. You're just trying to adjust to that environment they have. You don't really know what to expect. You don't know, you know how to come out your element at first. Yeah. So you got to feel everybody out. It is, a, is a locker room, no matter what team you're playing for, the same? It's always the same. It is. There's not much different. <laughs> if I walk into New England right now or I walk into Minnesota, it's not much different. It's the same. Yeah, interesting. I didn't think it would be. So – do you find it's like water finding its own level? Do you find your guys pretty quickly? Oh, yeah. Guys, you always stick to your guy, like your receivers. So always go right to those guys. Have they guys. tapped? You know, everybody talks about Allen Robinson and his experience and how guys like Anthony Miller lean on him. They forget that, you know, you're a veteran receiver, too, in this league. Have you used that influence to help those guys and your experience to help those guys if they ask you questions about the game, especially on the offensive side of the ball? Of course, but Allen Robinson, he's one of the best, you know, in this NFL right now that I done been a part of. And, you know, just getting to watch him day in, day out, man, how hard he worked at practice in the games. He never come out. He never come out. He, he defines <laughs> professionalism. Yes, man. He takes every advantage of his opportunity. So if they expand your role in the future with this offense, you know, it's kind of weird because you're such a great returner that it's almost like you don't want to lose that ability and that threat with you. But if you expanded your role in this offense, would it come at receiver or running back? Ooh, both. Really? Both. I mean, so because I, I think a lot of us were surprised but impressed with the role that you took as a running back. And, um, but I think a lot of people were surprised when you came onto the campus here at Hallis Hall to see how big you were. Because I think even <laughs> when, we, when we got to learn about you in Minnesota and through the Raiders and stuff, we never got a close-up look at you because we didn't really know what Cordero Patterson was. But then all of a sudden you show up here and we're going, wow, this guy is a lot bigger than, than a lot of us thought. 
So, you know, did you, did you morph into a running back over time, or is that just something you kind of had the skill set because you were such a good returner that translated to a running back position? I just, I just felt like I just always want the ball. You know, every time I get the ball, I just try to make something special happen for my team. So no matter if I'm at running back, kick return, or wide receiver, when I get the ball in my hands, I just try to do something special. They did this with you at Tennessee too, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, yeah. So this was not like some new, new <laughs> rent, uh, innovation, right? Because this is always – all the teams are trying to do the same thing with you. Yes, sir. Yeah. Um, where did you feel the most comfortable on the offensive side of the ball among all these teams? Um, uh, like where you just fit and you just had a connection? Maybe in the backfield. Yeah, really. It's no just, kidding. It's just fun. See, that, that, that stuns me because of all <laughs> that, you know, lightning speed, you know, run a route and run away from somebody. And like the uh, couple of weeks ago when you had that catch and run, it, it's you have this gear. There's a gear and you just hit the gear and they're taillights. A gear. Your, your, your taillights, I guess. I don't know. Right? Don't you think you have gears? You can say that. Yeah. Stick shift. <laughs> Cordell Patterson, our guest. One more segment to go. This is Bears All Access on Chicago Sports Radio 670 to score. Sunday night's game against Kansas City brought to you by Verizon, the official wireless provider of the Chicago Bears. Jeff Joniak, Tom Thayer, Cordell Patterson, our guest here on Chicago Sports Radio 670. The scores, the Bears get ready to meet the Kansas City Chiefs. And, of course, we've known Dave Tobe for a long time, great uh, respected special teams uh, coordinator, and that's where Chris Tabor, uh, you know, worked as well here with the Bears, and they think a lot of each other. Uh, their coverage units are really, really they're, they're very good. They're elite. Both, both teams are in the top ten in special teams this year. Yeah. I mean, that's, the, you know, that's why Andy Reid hired Dave Tobe when he left Chicago. He's been a great special teams coach there throughout his whole career. He's a, a great leader. He's, he has a, he, he's, ski, he's a good schemer against opponent if they have vulnerabilities there. But Chris Tabor has learned a lot from him, too. And Tabes has developed into one of the more knowledgeable special teams coaches in the league, and that he will be for a long time. So I don't know if everybody knows this, but uh, Cordero, he calls you Pony, the Pony. <laughs> he got, did you know that? Yeah. Every day. Yeah. Did he? Did, was that? Did, was that ever? Were you ever referred to as the Pony before? Never. <laughs> Do you like the nickname? I kind of like it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I haven't. I haven't unleashed the Pony just yet, but you got a couple games to go before I unleash that Pony. Uh, Six two. Are you still about two twenty? No. A little heavier. Yeah. Yeah. That's college weight, man. Really, really. Yeah. <laughs> Is it good food or hard work? It's good food, man. <laughs> <laughs> so if uh, at your new weight, would you still run a four two? Of course. Would you do better than a four two? No, I won't do better, but I still think I can run the same speed. Do you think you're the fastest guy on this team? No. Turbo. No. Tariq? Maybe. Yeah. Well, that doesn't leave. That's about it right there. You're the, you're the trio. Although, yeah, yeah, you're the trio. I'd say sometimes it looks like Anthony Miller's running a 4-2 because he explodes off that line of scrimmage, doesn't he? Now, what, what, what are your conversations with a guy like that? Because this is a very, very emotional player. That's a, that's a good thing to have on Sundays. And he has a great belief in his abilities. He brings up that Memphis grind where he grew up in all the time. So... What kind of conversations do you have with a young Anthony Miller? Because he's tearing it up right now. There's really no conversations you can have with Anthony, man. He, <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like Russell Westbrook on the, on the field. He, he have no friends, so don't even talk to him because he, really? he's in that zone that 
you just got to back up. Even on your own in your own huddle. Yeah, you got to leave him alone. Cause that is interesting. Yeah. Have you seen guys like that before? Nah, as a young guy, no. He's he's young. I like it. Yeah. Why? Cause it's different. You don't see that in a lot of guys. He got that that dog mentality. Yeah. And that that you can tell the way he grew up and he, he's taking it out on the football field. His he, youth keeps you young. You know, oh, it's yeah, nice to always. be around young guys, you know, and being a, a, a veteran now of the NFL, it's nice to be around enthusiastic young guys. Hey, wh what do you think of Club Dove? <laughs> Are, so do you participate in it? Because, you know, you, they show the highlights after, and I, I never see 80. I'm always on the outside dancing because I don't, I don't want nobody to see me dancing. Is it a surprise to you because of what you've been through in your life and to consider the different teams you've been with, the success and stuff of them? Is it is it a crazy atmosphere in there? It's fun, man. Yeah. Once you get in, the music already blasting, and it's it's, it's different. <laughs> what kind of what kind of relation to the club dub was it like to win a Super Bowl though? You're one um, of the few guys in that room that won a Super Bowl. It was amazing, man. You know, I never in a million years could have pictured myself winning a Super Bowl. And, you know, this is just a dream come true. You know, something we work hard for each and every day. That's what we do it for. You know, that's what we show up every morning late nights just just to win the Super Bowl. When you when you did accomplish that with the Patriots, did you have a per, did you have a personal look in the mirror like, wow, I I did it. Like this is like now do you just you just want the next one obviously, but you don't know if you'll ever be in that position again. Just like Tom's team won in eighty five and they never had another bite at that apple. First thing I did was after the Super Bowl, you know, I my my kids was in, in the hotel room laying down. I just went in there and started yelling and told them your daddy's a Super Bowl champ. So first thing I did, and you know, just trying to get another one out, man. It, yeah. it feel good to get one, but what's one without two? With that experience, who left a bigger impression on you, Belichick or Brady? Whew. Oh, got to be Belichick. Is it just the way he, he carried the whole team? You know, because a couple of years ago, the Bears went and practiced against the New England Patriots for a week, and we had a chance to go sit in, in on his press conferences. And it's a really uneasy period because I feel <laughs> bad for those guys that are sitting in the audience getting ready to ask him questions. I'm sure he's a different person in front of you, players exclusively than he is in front of the media. So, I mean, is there anything that you carried with you from him, or is every experience a new experience for you? It's just the respect that you get at that guy because everything he's done accomplished, you know, him and Tom, and, you know, he, he's, a fu he's a funny guy, man. And, you know, a lot of people don't see it, but he, he's always making jokes and meeting and stuff, but at the same time, he, he's, he's serious. He's, he's about his business. You know what he loves? He loves the tradition of the game. He loves the history of the game. When we did practice against them a couple of years ago, I, I took the opportunity and was coming off the practice field to just say, because I know he collects – football books and I like collecting football books also that teach you the history of the game and I can never get enough of it I, I just love the old you know where it all started and boy you get into a he stops and he'll drop everything to talk about that because his father had a huge collection as well they, that they donated to the Naval Academy Library but he, he brought up the history of the Great Lakes Naval Station here and after the war how the West Coast offense came to the Midwest and the East Coast, you know, the Philadelphia, the, the Philly, the Pennsylvania area football, and that's where it all kind of grew. It kind of mushroomed into all these different schemes and philosophies. And to me, that's interesting for a coach. I'm sure it's uber interesting, the X's and O's and how it all, how it relates and how the ideas came about because no matter what's going on now, it started somewhere. 
you know, football and all the different plays and whatnot. Are you are you that in tune with the game in that way, or do you just love playing? Do you love the X's and O's of football? Some guys don't. I just love playing football, man. And, you know, I, I would never stop playing. I think they'll have to kick me out of the league because that's how much I love the game. And I would just keep playing it until I can't play no more, man. Cause it's going to carry you a long it's way. Fun. It's fun. It's fun just being out here, you know. And each and every day, it's, it's, it's a new opportunity for me and just to be a part of this organization. Well, you are the pony to uh, <laughs> to uh, many in the building, but you're also C Flash P84 on your Twitter <laughs> handle. Why that? I, I don't know, man. Who I came up with Flash? Uh, so in junior college, I was at a banquet, and this guy was saying we got flashy players like me. So ever since then, I I just stuck with that name. It works. Cordell Patterson, really appreciate you joining us appreciate tonight. How about it? Cordell Patterson, everybody. A pro bowler and an all-decade member of the USA Today team along with Khalil Mack. It's the Bears and Chiefs on Sunday. Quick thought, Tom, on the matchup? I can't wait. I want the Bears fans to be supportive. I want to have the same atmosphere there was against the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. I want the Bears to conclude the season with two wins, and I want to see the offense continue improvement. And you know, the Akeem Hicks back in the lineup. Show the fans what the future is coming here. All right, we'll have it for you starting with a 4 o'clock pregame and a 7.20 kickoff on News Radio 780 and 105.9 FM WBBM. For Dan Barilli, our producer, Paul Zerang, our engineer, our great fans here, our sweet holders. For Tom Thayer, Cordero Patterson, I'm Jeff Joniak. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great night. This is Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score.